Welcome back to the Jock of All Trades podcast with me, Ethan, and Matt. Uh, we're going to do the same structure. We'll start with our pick six, which is basically you choose six of anything you want, uh, whether it be uh, football, basketball, whatever. And then we'll go into fantasy. Uh, we're going to do fantasy rookies that could have a big impact this year. And then we'll just talk about what's going on in the NBA and in the NFL. So I'm going to start with my pick six, which I did uh, six teams that are going to be on the rise in 2021. In no particular order, I think I'm going to try to start from uh, least improved to the most improved. So uh, my first team would be the Dolphins, and I only have them at least improved because they went 10 and six last year. So to be better, they'd have to be 11 and five. And then 12 and four seems like a little bit of a reach just with the, uh, you know, they play the Bills twice. They're going to play the Patriots who could get them once just because of uh, Bill Belichick. You can't come out. So I think the Dolphins are definitely set to improve as a team. The thing is the record might not uh, be there, but Tua hopefully could take the leap in the second year. Some quarterbacks struggle in the second year. Some take a big leap. I'm hoping Tua can. And then they got the third overall pick and another first rounder. And um, there's just no reason for them not to improve as a team. Any thoughts? Um, I think the Dolphins definitely are going to be a take a step up, and the division is starting to fall apart. Beyond the Bills, the Jets rebuilding still, Patriots. I mean, they still have Belichick, but I mean, what can you really expect without a quarterback there? So I can definitely see the Dolphins taking a step forward and maybe even competing with the Bills for the division, especially with what they have and the money they have to get go out and get someone for both their defense or their offense. I always uh, dislike talking about the Dolphins because I hate that they're finally getting good and we can't just uh, run over them every year as a Patriots fan. But, yeah, no, they're definitely a great team. Brian Flores has brought an amazing culture to Miami. and I don't see how they can get worse. I mean, they have some pieces on the defense like Kyle Van Noy, I don't know, getting older. But really not. It really shouldn't change anything. They'll be fine. Uh, yeah, they're a good team. Tua just needs to take the step. They're just a Tua away from making the playoffs. Yeah, that's that's the big question. So, I mean, I think it doesn't even have to be a huge step, so I project them to get better. Uh, my second team would be the Jaguars, and I only have them here because they were so bad last year, 1-15. Uh, to 15. They're just, There's only way to, to go is up, unless they go 0-16, but I can't see that happening. Uh, they're going to start Lawrence. Uh, I think it's safe to say. And Urban Myers, I think, a great coach uh, offensively. And he's got some good weapons. He's going to have James Robinson and Chark and Chenault. And uh, the main thing here is just it's going to be really hard for them to get worse. Record-wise, they could improve um, easily more than the Dolphins and then some of the other teams I have on here. But just, I mean, I'm talking 5-11, and 11, so I can't put them that high. Yeah, so I think the Jaguars, like you said, are going to take a step forward. They definitely are going to improve from, what was it, 2 and 14? Oh, so 1 and 15. 1 and 15. 15 straight yeah. losses. Yeah, so with Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer, I think that combination is definitely going to be lethal. And um, James Robinson added him to the equation. Chanel in the slot, he can play all over the field. 
and more draft capital just it just creates for a good situation for more and, wins and a rebuilding process that's already started and then cap space too they got a lot so yeah yeah i mean it's just crazy to me like i know that there's some people out there not a lot but there's some people who just don't like trevor lawrence but i don't see tre- like trevor lawrence just doesn't lose games his whole career he's just always won games and I think he'll just bring that same winning culture to Jacksonville, especially with Urban Meyer. And people forget that there's still some good pieces on that defense. Uh, Miles Jack isn't that like isn't bad. He kind of goes under the radar as a linebacker for sure. And then they drafted a great corner in uh, C.J. Henderson, who can only get better. The corner is the hardest position to play in the league, especially as a rookie. So I think he's only going to get better from where he was. Good. Josh Allen. And the Jaguars could definitely win a lot of games next year. Yep, Josh Allen. Yeah, they got a developing defense that can take off next year if they get the right pieces. But still a lot of missing pieces before they're a complete team. Yeah, but they have a lot of money to spend on those missing pieces. So then my third team is uh, I have the Vikings. I really, on paper, think the Vikings are a Super Bowl contender, but on the field, uh, their defense is terrible. As of as of last year, uh, Daniil Hunter was out for most of the year. Uh, Eric Kendricks though is great. Anthony Barr is great. Harrison Smith is great. Uh, Anthony Harris won uh, in free agency this year, but I mean he could be replaceable. They got a couple. Cameron uh, Dantzler was great as a rookie, especially was he undrafted? I don't know exactly where he went. No, he. I think he went in like the third, maybe. Okay. Okay. But. Uh, he was surprising, you know, no one expected that, but just on the field, they, they did not, it was not a good team. They have a good draft pick, uh, definitely should go defense. Um, and then their offense is, uh, just really good. Uh, Dalvin cook. Uh, I can't believe he wasn't an all pro this year. At least team he should have been, uh, they do have a second team all pro though. They have Justin Jefferson. He's only going to get better. And then Irv Smith is going to be able to step up, uh, hopefully. I think Kyle Rudolph is he? A, I believe he is. No, he has another year on his contract, but I can't see them. Didn't not they sign him yeah. with him like a while back? Uh, I'll look it up right now. He's got uh, either one or two more years left on his contract. Either way, I don't see why they wouldn't cut. Uh, Irv Smith should get more snaps. Yeah, and it's yes, going to help that sure. offense. And Cousins is an underrated quarterback. He he had similar stats to Russell Wilson this year, and I know that's not tell the whole story, but. He, he, he's a quarterback. He's not too much of a winner, but I, the pieces around him are definitely uh, elite. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, every year, it's just kind of hard to not see the Vikings as contenders just because like, like, they really are great in almost every position. And every year, somehow, they disappoint. I don't know how, but... They really just, I don't know, they'll be fine. They'll contend next year. A lot of, a player that a lot of people forgot about is Michael Pierce. He actually opted out last year. He was a great interior D lineman for the Vikings, and he was huge for their defense. Missing him just like impacted them. And then they obviously had a lot of injuries. Like Sam said, they didn't have Daniel Hunter the whole year, but their linebacking core was just fine. Yeah, they, they'll, be, they'll be back next year for sure. And they just signed Michael Pierce, and he didn't even play for them. So he's going to be huge for the run game. On defense, yeah. As yeah. a Packers fan, it pains me to say that the Vikings have a yeah. good team. So it's it's going to be interesting to see what they do next year with maybe improved defense. Because Mike Zimmer clearly said that's what he wants to work on in the off season. 
Is their defense? I mean, their offense is really good with Cook, Jefferson, Cousins. Like everyone's fine. They have two tight ends, Thielen. Like you can't really get better than that. Yeah, I could see them uh, doing what the Panthers did last draft and going all defense. I think maybe offensive linemen is somewhere to improve. But if they go seven straight, I don't know how many picks they have, but seven straight rounds of defense, uh, they're going to improve. And I think with the extra wild card spot, they're going to get in. Yeah, I agree. So my next team is um, I have the Patriots. Main the big thing is all the opt outs. They got a lot of good players that opted out. High Tower, um, Patrick Chung, and then they got going to be able to get a better quarterback than Cam Newton. They signed him on the veterans minimum. No one wanted Cam, and they not that they. I mean, they did settle for Cam. But he ended up being, you know, he was too terrible for them. But he clearly is not a quarterback that's going to get playoffs. But you got the coach that's going to do that, and he's got the uh, uh, they they got the cap space. They got a high draft pick, so I think either with their cap space or with their draft picks, uh, get a quarterback and a, a true number one receiver. And with Belichick in that defense, I think they'll be able to get themselves uh, in the mix uh, to get in the playoffs. I think around like uh, week fifteen. Some, like late in the season, I think they'll be well in the mix to make the playoffs. Yeah, I love to hear that as a Pats fan. I think, I think we're in a fine position. A lot of people are overlooking us next year, already counting us out. But just the fact is, we have the third most cap space in the league. We're getting a lot of our pieces back. Hightower already said that he's willing to take a pay cut so we can have even more cap space. And we had a lot of injuries last year on top of the opt-outs with, like, Edelman and stuff. Plus, we had COVID. We had a COVID issue for three weeks. It was just a lot of problems. Hardest schedule in the league last year. We'll be fine. We're definitely, I could say confidently, that we'll make the playoffs next year. And I wouldn't say Cam was horrible. He had a lot of adversity he had to go through last year with, um, obviously, coming off the surgery. He had zero offseason whatsoever. No weapons. Um... It was he had to learn a whole new playbook, and he had corona. Like he himself got COVID and missed a couple games. I think if he comes back, I wouldn't be opposed to it as long as we have a quarterback in the room that will compete, or a young quarterback that he can kind of coach up and maybe take over week eight, kind of like Fitzpatrick and Tua. I don't know, but I think we're definitely we'll be fine and we'll make the playoffs. Yeah, they're just a quarterback away, in my opinion. Like the. They're definitely a Super Bowl contender, but they just they just need an offense. Like last year, was it like Jacoby Myers had like more than fifty percent of the receiving yards of the team? Yeah, and he had like yeah, that, that's it's not even like half of what like Devonte Adams had or like DK Metcalf. So I mean, yeah, sad. They, they're just an offense away because their defense is so good where you can keep them in games. Yeah. We need Hunter Henry. Oh, a lot of people guys. forgot about how good the Pats defense is. Yeah, man. With all the opt-outs, I'd say yeah. we're still um, in a, like a top 12, yeah. maybe, defense. Just our secondary is so Yeah, good. every year. So my next team is, I think this should be a pretty obvious one, is the 49ers. Kind of the same reason as the Patriots. They lost a ton of guys, not due to opt-outs, but more injuries. Kittle wasn't there for most of the season. Mostert was in and out. Garoppolo wasn't there. Uh, Bosa missed the whole year. 
Solomon Thomas, even though he's not great, missed the whole year. Uh, so, and they're gonna they're gonna be able to make use of a of a high draft pick when they really shouldn't be uh, that high in the draft. They're a much better team than that. And their defense, they had they lost Richard Sherman. That's the only play loss from two years ago. But Verrett came back, and Verrett looks good. Uh, just with everyone back, I think it should be pretty obvious that the Niners are going to be back. Defense wins championships, so. Yeah, yeah. I think as long as Garoppolo plays well, they'll be fine. He's really the biggest question mark, I think. Did you hear the rumors that they're looking to trade for Teddy B? Which I don't think that makes sense, but yeah, I heard yeah. that. Just like a mediocre quarterback replacing another mediocre quarterback. Yeah, yeah, but I think they'd keep them both and then just have see which True. one steps up. I think they might force the other one to play better because they don't want to lose their job. I think that'd be the whole point. I don't think they'd expect Bridgewater to be much better than Garoppolo, but I think they'd expect each other to make one another better. Just yeah, both are game managers, so either way. Yeah, I don't think. Didn't like. I don't know. Like, is it even worth it? Maybe Teddy Bridgewater. But, you know, it'll be a nice competition. But what do you what are you going to give up for? Yeah, it depends on. Yeah, it depends on his value. What the Panthers Panthers expect? No. Yeah, I mean, I'd give a fifth to make to get some competition in there. But that's pretty much it. That's all I give. So then, the last team is a team that I think is going to take a huge step up, both in um, just play on the field and record is the Chargers. They got uh, an amazing young quarterback in Justin Herbert. The biggest problem they had last year was their uh, like clock management and end-of-game management, and that's all on Anthony Lynn. And uh, a tiny little bit, I think one against the Chiefs, Herbert threw a really bad interception on fourth down, but that was his first ever game, so he's a rookie. So just little plays like that, and one more win, That's an- and then Anthony Lynn manages the clock terribly. The new coach doesn't do that. That's one more win. And then it'll add up. And I think there's no reason why they can't get uh, 11 wins. Yeah, my big nuts prediction for the NFL season last year mm-hmm. was that the Chargers were going to win the Super Bowl. I was going big balls there, but I, I saw something in Herbert. I definitely thought that he can be the game changer for that team. Clearly, he was. with. He broke the rookie passing touchdown record, and he's definitely the guy that he's going to be there for a long time. So I think they're going to take a big step forward next year as well. Yep. Last year when we did our award predictions, I had Justin Herbert as my rookie of the year. Oh, yeah. But, um, yeah, no, the Chargers are a very, I want to say, complete team. Um, They need a little bit of help. Uh, like defensive wise, and definitely getting Herbert in the line, but they still have a great offense with like Keenan Allen. We kind of touched on this last yeah. podcast with the Chargers. I think they'll be fine with a decent mm-hmm. head coach. Mm-hmm. All, right. All right, so that's it for me. On. All right, um, mm-hmm. so for my pick six, um, I'm shifting gears here going into the NBA. So I have six teams that have had the most disappointing season so far. And I think one of the most obvious teams starting off, Boston Celtics. I'm a fan of the Celtics, so it's kind of hard to watch this collapse. Even though they won the last two, but still they're 17 and 17. Did not expect them to be there. We should not have lost the Yeah, the Pelicans game, game was brutal to watch. That like 20-point 20, 20 blown lead. 
Yeah, so and Kemba's shooting at all-time lows. Like I, I don't know what to fix there. And Danny Ainge clearly wants to get him out of there. So I don't that that team's kind of falling apart right now. So I don't really know what to think as a fan. Like have confidence with them going forward in the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, this is another thing we talked about last podcast too. Is what I think is they just have to have a huge trade deadline. And we just kind of have to trust Danny Ainge here and see what he does, and hopefully it's the right decision. But they need to go out and get a big man that can make a difference, not just a guy who just stands there and reads. Like, Tristan Thompson isn't bad, but all he does is get boards. That's, that, that's kind of it. We just need, like, a, a big man who can make plays and stuff like that and a better ball facilitator. I saw some things where people are saying we should bring Rondo back home to Boston and have him come off the bench and just kind of just facilitate – like, like he, he doesn't have to score. He just kind of, like, get, like, the bench figured out and kind of get place people where they have to be and really have everyone figure out their roles because it feels like everyone's just kind of playing, like, randomly out there off the bench and just kind of get people in their spots and just have, like, a good veteran presence in there. And I agree with that. Yeah, disappointing is definitely, like, the only way to describe their season with the stars that they have on their team, with Tatum and Brown and what we thought Kemba's going to be. It's kind of upsetting to see how, you know, Thomas got ruined. Kyrie went there, became a villain, and then Kemba goes there, and he's not good. It's just like, I don't know, something with the Celtics and the point guards. It's just like, it's the it can system. never go. Yeah, it can never go right for the Celtics for the last couple of years. I mean, they've had success, but uh, it, that they're, they're definitely looking for more than success, and you got guys like uh, Jalen Brown Tatum, two All-Stars. I think we just got to go all in to give up as much as yeah, I mean, it, uh, as much as as Danny Ainge wants to to get a piece that will just make it's kind of change for our bust. I think. I mean, you don't go to another Eastern Conference sure. Finals. What's that going to? Yeah. Well, actually, not or bust. We're still really yeah. Young. Like Jalen Brown and Tatum are very very young. But the goal is definitely a championship. Not when not with a team like. Uh, I don't know the the Pacers if they go to the Eastern Conference Finals, it's like like that was a great season, you know. Mm-hmm. All right, so moving into my next team, I don't like I from what I've seen from them so far, it's nothing impressive. But they have one player that's really standing out, and he's in the MVP race, the Denver Nuggets. Like with the way Jokic is playing, I can, I don't understand how they're only eighteen and fifteen right now. Like. He's putting up like triple doubles every night, like thirty point triple doubles, and they're still like. Did you see the game against the Wizards where Jamal Murray passed up the? Yeah, he he had oh an open God. lane. All the guys were, not were standing Murray, around so. the the perimeter. We're like, what are you doing at that point? Just go for the tie. It's a fast break. Michael Porter Jr. sold that so hard. Exactly, he was standing in the corner. They would have tied it. Like I, I don't know. The Nuggets, Nuggets are good. They're like, they're starting to pick it up, but still, from what I've seen, it's like nothing. What I expect them to be at all. Yeah, they definitely had a very bad start to the season. Yeah, what's upsetting about the Nuggets, why they're so bad, is because they play such good games sometimes, and and then the next game they'll be a completely different team. Yeah, they just need some consistency. Yeah, they got such a good core. Do what, start doing what they did They got such year. a good core where they should be doing so much better. Yeah, and I think um, 
after, especially after that playoff run um, against the Jazz, like that they showed us what they can do. So mm-hmm. looks to see more, and against the Clippers, like it's just that's the Nuggets we expect. I mean, the big thing is Jamal Murray just really has to step into the yeah, role. Yeah, it's more consistent. Everyone, after every single year, after the Nuggets season is over, Jamal Murray has a good end of the season. Every year, everyone's like, oh, the Nuggets are going to be one of the best teams in the league. Jamal Murray's going to be one of the best point guards. And he always falls back into just not just being very yeah. average. He has his big nights, but he just has to have a big night every night. Sure. You know? All right, so my third team um, headed the, the two-headed monster and um, Beal and Westbrook, the Wizards. I mean, with those two guys and Beal doing so well, dropping almost 50, like half the games of the season so far, they should definitely be better than, like, I think they're like 13 and 18, maybe like 12 and 13 and 19 or something, 12 and 19. Yeah, 13, 13 and 19. Yeah, they they should have more wins than that. Definitely, I think they should at least have like an even record. But still, they're on a win streak right now. Maybe they're getting things back together. But Scott Brooks, right there, the coach, he's not doing a great job with like managing the team and everything. So I think they could be doing better. I mean, they just lost to yeah. us, and the Celtics, the game. But they're seven and nine in their last. They're seven and nine in their last nine games, which is just. Really good, uh, or it's set like seven wins for in the last nine games, which is great. I mean, I, I cut them some slack here because they started the season with Corona. They missed two weeks, uh, of games, and then when when the people came back, they didn't have their full team. It took like the rookie, like Danny Advia, missed like a solid two weeks to Corona. They lost Thomas Bryant, who was absolutely feasting, to an ACL tear. And they had to sign Alex Len off the streets. It's just they have, they've had a really rough and weird start to the season, but I'll take yeah. pick it up as they it's have. It's definitely been like an experiment with Russ and Beal and how that worked out. And then it's just disappointing when you see it work, like especially how. Well, the thing is, they're they're picking it up now. It's not like they started great and started uh, falling off. So I don't think it's too much of a disappointment. I can't call it a disappointment yet because uh, they're on the come up. But I definitely think. Uh, it was an exciting uh, pairing with Westbrook and Beal, and you just expected it to 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 be better. But I, exactly. I, got, I could see them. Uh, I mean, there's a playing game; they can see the playoffs if they if they climb their way up. Yeah, I could see that. It'll be very interesting to see what they do at trade deadline. If they uh, there was reports that they want they they looked into Kristaps because the Mavericks that'd were be, shopping him. Yeah, that'd be I nice. want to see if they. They buy. They need like a definite big man. They they go all in. Yeah, we'll see if they go all in or if they just start trading their players away. But I don't know. Should be should be interesting. All right. So my fourth team. I mean, you kind of gotta cut them some slack, but the Pacers, with losing T.J. Warren earlier in the season, kind of hurt them. And Sabonis playing the way he is, and uh, trading Oladipo. With all this happening. Like I, I don't know. I think the Pacers should be better than fifteen and seventeen. They just lost to the Celtics recently, and that was pretty bad Red loss. <laughs> they did. They just lost them. They oh, they dropped three in a row the last three. Days. Yeah, Sabonis was a beast those past few games. He deserved the All Star nod, but the Pacers aren't playing to what I expected them. 
and they don't have T- a bubble TJ Warren, so I don't know. Yeah, they're a talented team. I mean, I expected them, or I, I uh, still expect them to be the top. I think they can be a top five seed in the East with how, I mean, they're two games back for from five. And um, I think they're just going to be one of those, te- like they're going to be, it's going to be an up and down season for them, which yeah, is disappointing because you'd want some consistency with that because it is a, it's a nice roster they have, complete team. Yeah, I mean, Brogdon's been playing fine. Miles Turner leads the league in blocks. Sabonis is doing what Sabonis does. I mean, he's an all-star this year. He's a repl- like he is replacing Durant in the all-star game. Um, I, don't, I don't know how they're losing game. I guess they don't really have much depth, and their bench is just kind of selling them when they come in. But, yeah, I think the Pacers will be fine. They'll get a few. Yeah, they have enough guys on their team, like superstar talents, where they can make up for it. Yeah, and they have Ed- Edmund Sumner. <laughs> and wait, they, oh, okay. They had Isaac. They had Isaac Bond at one point. <laughs> is he? Uh, did he, uh, is he Edmund Sumner? Someone that signed Ooh, the did Declaration they, did the of not have... Or is he oh, a the NBA Lakers? Player? Oh, he got drafted the to the Lakers. Lakers and then traded him to yeah, the Wizards. No, Edmund Sumner, Sumner, a guy that signed the Declaration of Independence, or is <laughs> oh, he, yeah, yeah. Is he an NBA superstar? Like, and a big man. <laughs> <laughs> Two way big, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I know what you're talking about. All right, so my fifth team. They were killed by COVID early in the season. They had like a basically an entire G League lineup in playing, but they they've caught up um, with Butler coming back. So the Heat, um, Jimmy's playing back to his old self, and Bam is playing really well. Bam, like Jimmy wouldn't go to the All Star game without Bam being there because he felt Bam got snubbed. So I think they've got something good there. Not, I don't think they're gonna go back to the finals like they were. That was. In my opinion, that was luck. They shouldn't have beaten the Celtics. But I think the Heat are definitely gonna make the playoffs again and continue their run. But so far, seventeen and seventeen is not great because of COVID, but still I think I could see them pick him up picking it up. Yeah, definitely the first two teams that came to mind when you talked about disappointing seasons for me was the Celtics number one and the Heat number two and again both teams are still very well in the mix but like I mean it was a quick turnaround for the Heat how they got like an 80 I think it was 83 game offseason but you see how the Lakers are handling it I mean and LeBron's a different breed but like you expect that from Jimmy Butler too you expect him to be able to turn around for how like you know he gets um a lot of praise for being a hard worker and not getting tired, how LeBron does and like how Conley does. So, I mean, <laughs> I, I just think that, uh, again, this is like one of the kind of like the Pacers where, yeah, they've disappointed, but I don't think it's going to be a disappointing season. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just hard to imagine a team that made the finals last year not making playoffs the next year, especially with the same roster. But they definitely lost a key piece in Jay Crowder. I mean, he's not playing well in Phoenix, but he was so good for Miami last year. And then Iguodala gets worse and worse every year. But 
um, they'll be again. They'll be fine. There, I can't imagine a team a team like Miami Heat not making it back to to the playoffs. I don't think they'll make it at really anywhere in the playoffs. But especially with the coach like coach like Spolstra, they'll be fine. Don't tell Max Kellerman that Iguodala is getting worse. He wants Iguodala. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So for my sixth team, I was gonna say. The Hawks, because they recently just fired their coach, and they had some good signings over the offseason. Then I realized the Mavericks really aren't showing out to what I thought they could be. I thought they could be like a they're a building super team with Luka and Porzingis. And the way that Luka's playing so far is just, just disappointing to see them lose this many games. And um, with 17 and 17 right now, and their solid roster with like Jay Rich, uh, Porzingis, few other pieces like I don't and Tim Hardaway Jr. So I don't know. Yeah, personally, I agree. And I think they really overperformed in the bubble. I don't think they they were ever that good of a team. And they looked like they were. It looked like Luca, you know, because everyone was watching that Clippers uh Mavericks game when he hit the uh the the game winning three. And that's what everyone's idea of the Mavericks were. Like that they got Luca. He's this guy who that that's clutch and that's not really true and then Porzingis of course being hurt not playing has hurt them but I definitely think that they were never a true like powerhouse in the west yeah I mean the Mavericks continue to be a very poor team on the defensive end of the ball and I mean the reason why they traded uh Seth Curry people were mad about that I mean, they traded him for uh, Josh Richardson because Richardson's a much better defender, but still it's not showing that they're much getting much better at defense. And, I mean, Kristaps has just got to stop missing games, man. Like, he's, he's, back, he's out with back soreness. Coming back today. Uh, hamstring tightness, you know, but he's, he's just constantly out with these, like, like, injuries that aren't big. And, I mean, if he starts playing – like every game and starts playing back to backs, the Mavericks will start winning more games because he's has such a massive impact for the Mavericks. But if they trade for someone like Drummond, who gets a lot of blocks and is a great defensive wise, they just need just need to improve def- on the defense side of the ball. Luca keeps doing what he's got to do, which is just incredible. And then Kristaps has to stay healthy. Yeah, especially especially when you're fighting for a playoff spot to to miss games to back soreness, like we all know. Kawhi misses games, but when that's when they're the two seed, like you are fighting for a playoff spot and every single game counts, especially in the shortened season. He's got to play. Mm-hmm. Yep. 100%. All right. Ethan, you want to take it away for yours? Uh, yeah, sure thing. So back to the NFL here. Um, my pick six was uh, six pass catchers that need a new start in the NFL who have uh, like have a lot of potential still young, but the system, the team they were on wasn't right for them. And they just need a better opportunity elsewhere. So uh, number one, I'm going to start with uh, JJ Arcega Whiteside. He was a first round pick for the Eagles, which a lot of people are upset about because he just wasn't good. And they took him over. A lot of way better receivers like DK, yeah. Um, and I think the Eagles, I mean, they cut Alshon, they have uh, nobody at receiver other than Jalen Rager, but I think they're definitely going to take one at four 
whether or wherever they pick uh, six, right? I think it's six, it's six. Yeah, right the Bengals. Yeah, whether it's Smith or Jamar Chase, if either of them are there or Waddle, who knows? But I think it's time for Arcega Whiteside. It'd be good for the team because he does not play well with them, and for him because he could play well somewhere else. I mean, he's a first round pick for a reason. Just a little correction. I think he was a second round pick, but still, uh, yeah. Was he second? Oh, my bad, my bad. Still a high pick for a guy to be buried in the depth chart behind a terrible core of receivers, behind Travis Fulgham, Rager, Greg Ward, and the fact that he's like, you might as as well just cut him and let him have an opportunity somewhere. He barely plays. And yeah, he was a second-round pick two years ago. So it's hard to believe that. He doesn't have a spot somewhere on a on a roster that can actually utilize him. Again, he's not like he's not great, but the fact that he's not even getting a chance, and of course we don't see practice and stuff, but hard to believe a second round pick two years doesn't get any snaps. Yeah, um Arcega Whiteside's got the build to be a good receiver. He's tall, fast, like I I, I don't know, I wouldn't take him over TK in any any day for the year, but He's. I can see why the Eagles may have taken a chance on him. He's got the the skill set to be good, but he just hasn't shown it yet. So I mean, maybe a new start can help him prove himself in the league and maybe get more playing time, the right place. For sure. Yeah. Just and he's got a. He's on a rookie contract, so he's easy to mm-hmm. trade for. For sure. Um. Next, I have someone who was supposed to have a lot of potential and everyone talked about him every year as like oh this team has this guy coming back he's gonna make a big impact and that's uh oj howard on the bucks i feel like i mean he played decently at the very very start of this season he had a long touchdown but i mean this is the second season in a row now where he's missed a good chunk of the season with an injury and Every year he's talked about as a really fast tight end who can make a big impact on the team. And he played well before his two injury season, uh, riddled seasons, and that's why he had such great potential. And I think now with the Bucks winning the Super Bowl without him and playing really well without him, with Gronk stepping up in the postseason and Cameron Brate just kind of just doing what he was supposed to do, being a great blocking tight end, and catching passes when they were thrown to him. They don't need O.J. Howard, especially with all the weapons outside. And he could be a great starting tight end elsewhere. Yeah, for the past two years, it's made a lot of sense to trade O.J. Howard. There were rumors about the Patriots, the Packers, and anywhere. I mean, again, kind of like Whiteside, he's buried in the depth chart with uh, Gronk and Brate. And in that offense, I mean, he, he found uh, snaps at the beginning of the year just because they're heavy tight end sets every once in a while. But he's he's really talented as a pass catcher to not he to not be an every down uh, tight end. I mean he's super strong and fast, and uh, he's got a lot of talent. I really like him. Yeah, OJ Howard. Like they have the Bucks have like eleven thousand tight ends, where it's just no point in having on the team. Maybe get some value for him. But yeah, I guess he's damaged goods right now because you don't really know how guys come off of injuries like that two years. Sure. So might as well get something for him before he's just like out of the league at this point. So I can see him definitely having success somewhere else where he can actually start and take over a full role. I agree. Yeah. So uh, 
staying at the tight end position is a player I really liked coming into fantasy this year. I wasn't able to get him, and I'm kind of glad I didn't get him, but he was also supposed to be pretty good, is uh, Gerald Everett. He kind of fell behind Tyler Higby. I don't know why. I guess he was an awful blocker. He just, like That's kind of the biggest problem about his game is his blocking, which is very important when it comes to tight ends, and Higby was a great blocker, but he's still really young. He's a great pass catcher. He's very fast, and he always has like these two or three games every season where he just has like a crazy good game, and it looks like he could definitely be a starter somewhere, and he, he has shown signs of being a tight end one somewhere. Yeah, it's kind of weird that he uh, fell off a lot. He got injured, and he's and then for a bit, and then Tyler Higby took like the number one, like firm, uh, took firm grasp of the number one tight end spot, and he's just it kind of disappeared since. And uh, yeah, he's just shown flashes. So definitely, uh, if he's given a chance to be a uh, to be on the field more. He hopefully can be more consistent. He hasn't shown like, I think OJ Howard is definitely uh, like, you know, the st- a step up from Everett, but it's same, same kind of position. They're in the same position. Yeah. Um, but being a free agent this year, I feel like he can get into a good situation. And uh, I saw a report where teams actually view Gerald Everett as a starter and a guy that can take over the position for their team. So I could see that happening with him getting a fresh start somewhere else. Yeah, so um, back to the receiver position. is a player similar to uh, JJ Arcega-Whiteside. He was drafted early. I'm not exactly sure the round is uh, Andy Isabella. I, th- I feel like he's another receiver who's kind of fell into the depth chart. Like uh, Christian Kirk on the Cardinals has kind of taken the role that we expected Andy Isabella to have. The only Andy Isabella has shown signs like he, a couple years ago, his rookie season, he had that like nasty like eighty yard touchdown. He he shows that he can be a good receiver, but now with D Hop there, I'm assuming Larry Fitzgerald will come back now that JJ Watt just got signed, and he's always been just a uh, like he, he'll get play, he'll get snaps in, and he'll play Larry Fitzgerald, which takes snaps away from Andy Isabella. And Christian Kirk is a great player as well. And I feel like Andy Isabella needs to be higher on a depth chart somewhere else. It's just very similar to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in my eyes. Yeah, another receiver taking over D.K. Metcalf. I think he was uh, – I don't know where he – I think he was really close to J.J. Arcega-Whiteside in the draft. I know he was a second-rounder. But um, he could definitely make an impact on a team like uh, the Packers and just kind of – not like a huge impact, but, you know, people know Alan Lazard, and he's made clutch plays because he's put in the position to because he's got Aaron Rodgers in a great system. So if – Andy Isabella, I think he's got to be like a guy that goes in the best possible situation. But he can definitely, he's got speed. And if you have speed, there's a place for you to make plays in the NFL. Yeah, Andy Isabella is a guy that went to UMass where I go to college. So, I mean, I know a lot about him. He's a second-round pick. They traded Josh Rosen to get him. And he's like a mini, he's like a white, small white guy that's got a lot of speed. Like, he... Kind of reminds me of Scotty Miller, but a little bit better, maybe. He's got better hands, so I can see him definitely proving himself. Maybe even if he stays in the Cardinals and Larry Fitz retires, stepping up for like the third slot role, maybe. But even if he goes somewhere else, I can see him succeeding. 
Did you know that Andy Isabella led the nation in receiving yards? In, at UMass? Yeah. Really? That's crazy. Yeah. I, 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 he, had, he had a ton of yards his senior year. He's a beast. UMass alum. Yes, sir. Um, so this is a coming to a big name receiver here. Uh, my favorite receiver, one of my favorite receivers in the league. We're going to talk about Odell again. Every year there's reports that he is going to leave Cleveland and that a lot of teams are reaching out to Cleveland and that he's going to get traded out of Cleveland. But then there's reports followed saying that he's not going anywhere, whatever. It's just, I don't think Cleveland is a great system for him. They're more of a run heavy team. And if he can become the focal point of an offense, like he was in New York, he could become a top five receiver again. Um, uh, Cleveland's a great situation for him, I think, off the field because he's got a lot of friends there considering his LSU teammate Jarvis Landry is there. But if he really wants to be elite again, he has to go be a focal point of an offense somewhere else like the Patriots where he would be the true number one or go to a place like Green Bay where he could be a great number two and still get the ball a lot. I don't know. I think he could be very good somewhere except Cleveland. Yeah, I mean, I, f- I figured that uh, you were going to say Odell because it really is kind of disappointing to see how he's not – he's kind of underutilized – or not under – well, uh, underutilized this year. But last year, it just didn't work. Like, Baker just couldn't connect. And I think it was mostly on Baker. But just the fact that Odell is there, it's going to happen. I mean, unless Baker really, really uh, mentally gets better, and stops forcing it to Odell. It's it just doesn't it just doesn't work out. He's too it's it's like he's too good. It's funny to say that, but like, um, it hasn't worked out. And it, I think, if it worked out with old Eli Manning on the terrible Giants offense, it can work out anywhere besides the Browns. Yeah, um, definitely Odell could use a fresh start like he did with the. Uh... Browns, but that clearly didn't work out. So I mean, maybe if you put him in another offense and like make him the focal point, like you said, Ethan, he can definitely make an impact for his team. But so far, we haven't really seen him be like amazing with the Browns or anything, like make a major impact. So maybe somewhere where he's happy and really just racking up the yards, he'll be more successful. Yeah. I also one thing I want to say. I don't know if he. I cares too much to anymore. I think he kind of realized if he really likes Cleveland, like, you know, I said, he's got Jarvis. He kind of has to realize that he's not going to be, he's not going to have elite production. And um, if he, I think he has accepted that. And I think we're going to have, I don't think he's getting traded. We're going to have to see him underperform kind of, but I mean, to win games, it's worth it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then staying in Cleveland here, is David Njoku. Um, it's very similar to Gerald Everett. Is He has a few games where he really sh- like shows out and he has makes crazy catches in the red zone. And he's a very fast and athletic tight end. But obviously Cleveland doesn't believe in him if they're going to go and pay Austin Hooper a lot of money where that money could be used on defense, but they feel like they really need a tight end, so they bring in Hooper. Like, Njoku just doesn't have 
a home in Cleveland. I think he is a free agent this year, if I'm not mistaken, and I think he could be really good elsewhere, but I just hope he doesn't go back to Cleveland, and I think he needs to be a tight end and get a lot of snaps on a different team that's willing to take a chance on him. Yeah, I'm not sure if Njoku's a free agent, but if he is, he's if he's not, he definitely is a cut candidate. Like He might want to part ways, and they might just let him go or trade him. But another first-round pick, or he was a first-round pick, but another high pick, kind of like Isabella or um, and uh, J.J. Ursega-Whiteside, it's just uh, it's kind of not fair to him how they signed Hooper. But uh, part of it is him. Uh, he, some games he just doesn't show up, and some games he makes crazy plays. Uh, it'd just be nice to see him as a starter, especially as a first-round pick not too long ago. Yeah, he kind of reminds me of Evan Ingram with, like, I get, like, the butterfinger thing with Evan Evan Ingram and just not being consistent enough to be a full-time guy, like, that people think. And Njoku makes good catches sometimes, but he's not, like, consistent enough to where he shows up every game. So, like, with the Giants getting rumors about taking pits in the draft and the Browns signing Hooper, I think giving Njoku a fresh start would definitely help him somewhere else yep that's my pick six so do we move yeah into we can move in what nfl fantasy we can move into fantasy now move into? because okay word all right um so we're going to talk about some rookies that we feel could definitely make an impact in the fantasy season upcoming season so um if you want ethan do you want to go first or do you want me to go first uh, i don't care who goes first uh if you want to start right. that'd be fine so my i have a surprise rookie i think this guy had really has all all the skills to make a impact in fantasy if he gets in the right situation, of course, but Rashad Bateman, he's got the speed, he's got the size, and at Minnesota, he really proved that he can be a factor in the game, and so I think some potential fits where he can actually succeed and help fantasy teams, Packers, Dolphins, or Panthers, that's just assuming the Dolphins don't take a receiver with one of their top picks, but... If he goes to the Packers, I'm a Packers fan. I'd be really excited to see what he could do with Aaron Rodgers alongside Devontae Adams taking pressure off of him. So I think if he gets in the right situation, that would definitely be a good fantasy sleeper to have. Yeah, I mean, Bateman has been definitely rising on draft boards recently, I'd say. Uh, but a lot of receivers have. Like Kadarius Tony has also made a name for himself at Pro Day. But Bateman, as much as he's been growing, a lot of the fans don't really know about him. And I feel like that he should become more of a somebody that people look for in fantasy, especially as long as he's drafted to the right situation. Like you said, Green Bay or Miami, where he'd be used mm. more than a team. Like I ho- Like hopefully he doesn't go to a team like Arizona or Philadelphia and he gets into the situation that Isabella or um, or Sega Whiteside had that we were just talking about, where in a couple of years we'll be talking about how he needs a change of scenery. As long as it's the right situation, 
he could be a great. So I think he's a lock sure. in the first round. So wherever he goes, I think. Yeah, yeah and he could be someone exactly, that falls yeah. in draft fantasy exactly. draft boards. Uh, he's really. Uh, I've seen a lot of things where teams really like him, and a bunch, a lot of fans also really like him. I mean, that doesn't mean much, but you know, talent is obviously there. So yeah, right situation, and I have uh, a lot of faith in him in fantasy. All right, Ethan, someone else want to go with their player? Or let's do Ethan last. I think Ethan's got the, the best guy to talk about. All right. So we can just talk about that for a while. So um, my fantasy player is kind of an interesting one, just the position. I chose uh, Kyle Pitts. And normally I, I'm a big fan of second-year tight ends. Mark Andrews, TJ Hawkinson all explode in their second year. But the reason I think Pitts is different, the thing with the thing with tight ends is when you're learning a system, you got to learn the run game and the and all the routes as well. So it's hard to integrate yourself in the system in the first year. You don't get 100% of the snaps because you got to learn all these things. But for Kyle Pitts, when he's not lined up as a tight end, they don't need to use him as a blocker every play. He can line up at receiver. He did at Florida. He he's he's a big receiver. He's I wouldn't. He's a tight end because sometimes he lines up the tight end position, but he is a wide receiver. So um, I think if he goes somewhere like the Cardinals, because like the the tight end position doesn't get a lot of usage anyway. So I'm DeAndre Hopkins taking most of the targets wouldn't scare me out of drafting him if he landed in Arizona. I think he's going to make an instant impact wherever he is. He's an athletic freak, so I can't see it going wrong. Yeah, I think some people might try to reach on Pitts in the draft, fantasy draft-wise, based on the team he goes to. Like, say he goes to the Panthers, then the, I feel like they could definitely feed him there. So I could see him going around, like, rounds maybe, like, later single digits, like 9, 10 maybe. He's, he's like, a guy that can go all over depending on where he gets drafted but he's definitely a, a great player can do it all yeah he's piqued my interest as a prospect that if he falls to 15 that the patriots get and as somebody that i would love to have starting at my tight end position in fantasy every week i really wouldn't mind having a rookie tight end when usually you want to stay away from him but someone that i'd like to compare him to is darren waller I feel like he's got a lot of the same aspects of the game that Darren Waller has. I mean, just the fact that Darren Waller was just drafted as a wide receiver turned into tight end. I feel like Kyle Pitts has already cut out the figuring out his true position, and it's good that he's coming into the league and he knows that he's a he's a tight end. And, I mean, he was great last year. He had, like, 43 catches, a high 700 receiving yards, and just a small amount of games. And he, I mean, he did opt out of the bowl, but like almost everybody on Florida State did. But he could be, he'll be great, especially if he gets a starting role like in Carolina or New England. Yeah, and I don't even think he needs a crazy amount of volume to make the most out of his catches. Yeah, his run after catch is great. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So to the last one, and this is, my favorite player in this draft class, uh, like halfway, started around halfway through the season, I started talking about him more, but I think he's going to be an elite running back in a couple of years in the league, and that's Najee Harris. 
Um, the Bama back, obviously. I mean, everybody should know who he is. He's going to be great. He was great in Alabama. Um, I mean, one of my favorite running backs in the league right now is Derrick Henry. And um, I, I can compare his – not his – I mean, his play style isn't as similar to Derrick Henry. He does so much more in the receiving game. And I feel like he's a little bit more athletic. But he's just two inches shorter and weighs like ten pounds less, and I think he's the closest thing to a kind of De- like a Derrick Henry back that we've seen in a while. But he does so much in the receiving game, which which is an aspect of the game that Derrick Henry could work on. I'm not saying he's going to be better than Derrick Henry or be anything close to it, but I'm saying that he's got a similar like build to him, which is a build that sh- is shown that can dominate in the league when usually smaller running backs are what usually starts on a lot of teams. But Najee Harris is definitely one of my favorite guys, and as long as he lands on a team that doesn't have a crowded backfield, he may not be the starter. He could share the ball, but a team maybe like Pittsburgh could trade up for him, or he could fall to him right there, or Miami, or the Jets is best possible scenario in my situation for him. Even New England, maybe him and Damian Harris compete, but I know I'm saying everybody to New England, whatever, but we'll see. But as long as Najee Harris doesn't even have to be the lead back, he could compete. He'll be great wherever he goes, I think. Yeah, yeah I think you can go uh, first. Uh, <laughs> Najee Harris kind of reminds me of Christian McCaffrey with his pass-catching ability and, like you said, with Derrick Henry, like, plowing people over. Because McCaffrey's got that extra juice where he can just do it all. So I think Harris can definitely excel at the next level if he gets in the right situation, like you said. Like, even if he's in a crowded backfield, I still think he'll find a way to win and get to that top position. So he might go early in fantasy drafts, depending on where he gets picked. Maybe I'm, I'm assuming like fourth or fifth round. Cause I, I picked Jonathan Taylor last year in like the seventh round, but he could possibly go there, but that was just with Marlon Mack. That was with that's Marlon why, Mack. Yeah. yeah, that's why people got scared. So, Yeah, if he's on a team, like Jonathan Taylor got drafted to a team with a lot of running backs and he'll go late rounds but if he goes to the jets i could say yeah, exactly fourth round pick. so since we're doing we're comparing him to nfl running backs i'm gonna another great one he's kind of reminds me of saquon barkley where he can literally do like there is not one weakness game the, he he lacks like elite elite speed like i don't know like raheem Mostert, but that doesn't there's a lot of uh you know four or five running backs that are great in nfl talking about 40 times but the thing that i really like about uh, rookie running backs sometimes is that they're not a huge position of need so they end up going the like late a great running back would could go mid to late first round and then early second round and what i like about that is it'll be a team like the chiefs that's a great offense in a great position they're like you know what we could use a running back and they draft clyde edwards alaire or uh, the Colts, where they already even had a running back. They had a great offensive line, and they're like, you know what? Let's just get Jonathan Taylor. So uh, even the Patriots didn't work out, but uh, second to last pick in the first round, let's draft Michelle. He's in a great position. So that's something I could see with Harris. Uh, I think his, a great fit would be if he uh, goes to Buffalo. It would be something kind of like mm-hmm. how Clyde Edwards-Alaire just stumbled into that situation where they didn't need anything, really. So they pick. 
Yeah, but Buffalo needs. Yeah, that's true. Back. Sure, I could see happening. Um, if, say the Packers don't re-sign Aaron Jones, maybe that's a potential fit. Like they don't need Najee yeah, Harris, but with Williams and Jones, yeah. yeah, they can just run a three-headed backfield with like Jamal Williams, potentially re-signing him, AJ Dillon, and then Najee Harris. As small as the running back market is today, I feel like Najee's definitely yeah. going to find yeah. a place. The only thing is, I think Jets would be good because you'd be there every down back. But I think that that mm-hmm. offensive line and the offense would really hurt him. I think he'd be better suited in Miami well, or somewhere like that. They've solidified the left tackle position in Mackie Becton. And, I mean, that's just one kind of position out of the way. And now they just got to build around Becton. And I feel like if they get Najee and sign a lineman in free agency or draft one, then that'll be a better situation. And they also got but, the Mike LaFleur playbook, so it's going to be run heavy. <laughs> every year, I never touch rookie running backs in fantasy. I That's like my number one rule when I'm going to a draft is just not – Rookies, I stay away from, especially running backs. But Najee is my only exception, and he's someone I would look to take in a fantasy draft. All right, All right. so we're gonna move on to. Uh, are we NFL? gonna go talk about the NFL? Or yeah, yeah. All right. Watt um, breeds. Yeah, JJ Watt, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start it off. Um, my first thing that I saw when uh, I saw that the Cardinals, I was I was super surprised. I really thought, even though they were all rumors, I really thought it was narrowed down to like Buffalo, Cleveland, Green Bay. I thought Tennessee and Pittsburgh might have still been in the mix. And obviously Arizona was like in the back of my head because of Hopkins, you know, that post and then Chandler Jones. I don't know if that came out yet, but, you know, that happened. But I was just... I think if he really wanted to run a ring, he would. I think the Cleveland, Green Bay, and Buffalo would have been uh, better places to go. He can still uh, have a chance to win a ring in Arizona. They got a really good team. Uh, King's got to show that he's a, a winner. That's the only. I, I just think it, it's just interesting that he finally got a chance to leave Houston. And then he goes to Arizona, which isn't like, you know, because he could choose anywhere he wanted to go. And after miserable years in Houston, he just lands in Arizona, which it's not terrible, but I was surprised. I think maybe because he thinks something that the public doesn't is that I think the public views that he doesn't have that many years left in him and that he's just going to kind of not make a huge impact, but he just wants to. And the public thinks he's just going out to like ring chase and like, oh, he's a veteran. He's just going to sign a one-year deal with the team and just call it that. But I think DJ Watt thinks he's got a lot left a lot left in him and that he could maybe not compete this year, but he's okay with competing with the Cardinals in uh, two years or three years. Obviously, he'll be worse of a player in three years, but you know, like he's got more years left in him than what people think and that he doesn't have to go to a team where he wouldn't play as much as he would in the Cardinals. And I mean, since 2012, the uh, Chandler Jones and JJ Watt are one and two in sacks in the league. Chandler Jones didn't play last or didn't play a lot of last year because of an injury, but they're both elite pass rushers. One of the, some of the best pass rushers in the league. And that is a very, very scary defense that can change a lot of games and put some a lot of pressure on quarterbacks when playing them. 
And I think it's a great place for him. I think it's a great fit. I'm glad he went there. Um, like you said, he's only, he's only 31. He's got a lot left in the tank. So maybe this was just like a, like the recruiting efforts of DeAndre Hopkins and Chandler Jones. I don't know what went on behind the scenes, but um, I think it's a good fit for him. And he's trying to like prove that he can help a team win with like a lethal defense and Chandler Jones and JJ Watt. So I think that it, I, like you said, Sam, it wasn't like the best. Like if he's trying to win chase, like I don't know if he is. I don't think he is, but he could have gone somewhere else. But still, Arizona is yeah. a good a good place to go. Maybe like prove himself. I don't know. I think I think twenty three million guaranteed also had a lot to do with it. Exactly. Yeah. Right. Yeah, the Cardinals offered more than I think a lot of teams were willing to offer. And I think that's a little much. But when you're J.J. Watt and you have the resume that you do, you definitely – it's deserved. not too much. Yeah, I don't think there is – yeah, it's yeah, I, I can't say sure. they overpaid because they didn't overpay. But they definitely um, – they gave him what he was worth. And some teams mm-hmm. weren't, weren't willing to do and that. It's, it's more just the, than the, the kind of player that you're getting. I mean, just the culture he's going to bring to that locker room, the kind of guy he is. He's, he's a winner, and he brings he has such a good energy, and he's going to get a lot of people more hyped up to play. And I don't know, he's just a great guy. He's a great dude to have in your locker room, and I'd be willing to pay more money to have like a good dude in the locker room than just someone who plays. Yeah, anyway, from you know, what I heard about things. the Packers, they weren't willing to pay him nearly that much. They wanted like a veteran's discount because I guess he's from Wisconsin, so maybe that would help. But I don't know. He definitely deserved a good contract and a good place to play. Uh, I liked Arizona. I think that was a great mm-hmm. landing spot. Uh, So are we ready to move on to – the video of Drew Brees yeah. going crazy in workouts. <laughs> so, uh, who wants to start this off? I mean, I don't I'll, even know much about this. Do you want me to? Because I saw it. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right. So, I was watching Sports Center. I think a few days ago, or like a day ago, day or two ago, and I just saw that Drew Brees was working out, and he posted a video. So, I didn't really know, understand the details, but that may be a sign that he's gonna play next year, like not like saying anything but that could prove that he's still got some juice left even though he's 42 so i don't i i'm 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 not having him come back if i were the saints uh like looking in the way he played last year it is it really like worth it you got Jameis winston guy that needs to prove himself and Taysom hill like another guy that stepped up while breeze was hurt and performed really well under the circumstances so I think you got to look at the other options and just let Breeze tell Breeze to retire, take like a coaching position if needed. I think the only reason why that video uh, like speaks volumes to me in any way is because Drew Breeze's wife came out and said that she's never seen Drew Breeze like work this hard or like do a workout this crazy in an off season and that this was kind of surprising to her. And like, if that's the case, then I think that's, that he might try to show that he's still got something. But another angle that I'm taking on this is maybe he's just kind of more experimenting than anything, seeing if he still uh, has it. You know, he may be not be working on a comeback, but maybe testing to see, like, oh, can I still do these kind of workouts at my age? Can I still 
do all this coming off of my rib injury, all that. And it might be more blown out of proportion than what it actually is. That's what I think. Yeah, especially because he hasn't actually announced whether he's retiring or not. I think he's definitely still deciding. I don't think he's coming back. I mean, I didn't see the video, so it didn't really mean anything to me. Just like, oh, he's working out. But but, um, the way he played last year and how the season ended, I think it's definitely just time for him to hang it up. He had a great career. and he just fell short of that second ring and uh, they had a lot of chances. So I think time's caught up to him now. Three years ago, they had a chance. Two years ago, they had a chance. And then last year they had a chance. So uh, as sad as it is, I think it's, it's, he's done. Exactly. I mean, they surrounded him with so much talent. They gave him everything he needed and they just couldn't get it done in the postseason. I mean, sure. They got <laughs> cheated out of, a couple things with the Kyle Rudolph push off, which wasn't that bad, but then they'll play yeah. in And then even the, uh, which was horrible. The for Minnesota that. miracle, which wasn't a penalty or anything. It was like, it could have been avoided so easily. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a proper tackle. And then they're chilling, but uh, I don't know. Cards didn't fall the way that Drew Brees wanted them to. And that sucks. Everybody loves Drew Brees. There's no reason not to like Drew Brees. He's done a lot in his career. And, and just getting one ring is something that a lot of players struggle with. A lot of great players still don't have a ring. And the fact that he got one is, like, great. It's good enough. It's also you know? sad to and say I don't think there's any reason that why he's never won an MVP. So, I mean. Right. He's I been know. so close so many times. He's got the resume yeah. definitely for a Hall of Famer, but still. He's been. Oh, first he's ballot. He's been super easily. unlucky throughout his career. His end season. Like, yeah. His best season Peyton Manning won MVP when he threw for 55 touchdowns and then uh his second best season uh Patrick Mahomes threw 50 touchdowns and 5,000 yards and then he just got cheated so many times not cheated but you know he flukes in the playoffs he really got unlucky he's as long as much as an unlucky career I'd say he's had, he's still had he's still one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. He's just a regular season like statistical monster. 100%. I mean, him and Tom Brady have been trading that first place slot in those two stats for a while. I mean, now Tom Brady's gonna take it if Drew Brees does retire. But I mean the fact that he's stuck around for so long and I think I think easily first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think he should come back. I don't think it's good for the Saints or him. I'd hate to see him get more injured, and I'd rather see his career end on a, on him just like a proper retirement than him just getting injured halfway through the season and not being able to return. Yeah, I saw some like I don't know if it's not really a stat, but I saw something where it said um Philip Rivers was drafted to replace Drew Brees, and Philip Rivers ended up retiring before Drew Brees. So it's crazy he's still going. That is crazy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, that thing. He's had a, such a great career, and it's no shame without that second one. Yeah, but back to the workout video. I think it's just being looked into too much. I think it's more of a Drew Brees testing out what he can do and just pushing himself mm-hmm. than him a hundred percent. Oh, this video means he's making a comeback. I don't see it like that at all. I wouldn't look too heavy into I agree. it. But who knows? I don't know. It's it's honestly it's, it's up in the air. Like he doesn't know. Yeah, it's 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 a hard decision for him to make, but I hope he makes mm-hmm. the right one. All right, do you want to move into the NBA and talk about like All Star snubs? 
Yeah, we can wrap this up with some NBA yeah. talk for sure. Mm. Um. So okay. So what are we gonna start with? Yeah. Snubs yeah. All right. Biggest one for me, or not biggest one, but one that I don't think is talked about nearly enough. A player who has just been good for the past two years, but the best he's been all year. Had a 15 assist game yesterday, which is a career high for him. Is De'Aaron Fox? I get that All Star. I mean, the MVPs come from like teams that are top three in their own division, but I don't think it should be like that for All Stars. I think All Stars should be more individual player than team effort. And I think De'Aaron Fox has individually been a great player this year. I mean, he's averaging like 23 points, seven assists, four rebounds, which is just crazy. I think a player... All right, so what we should really express is that I don't think he... A player who made it deserves not to be in it. So a player I think that he deserves to be over was Chris Paul. I mean, shocking. I I didn't see Chris Paul making the All-Star game. But, like, I love Chris Paul. I don't have any problems against Chris Paul. But I think De'Aaron Fox has played much better than Chris Paul this season. I think the only reason why Chris Paul made it over is because the Suns have been a top team in the West. And I I think De'Aaron Fox has been playing better as an individual this season than Chris Paul has. But I'm not saying that Chris Paul doesn't deserve to be an All-Star. I just think that De'Aaron Fox deserved it more as well. Yeah, the only... Because there's only so many. Spots. The only thing about um, <clears throat> uh, what what you said about the wins, I think Chris Paul is a big reason why the Suns, you know, have the record they have, and I right. think we all agree. I, I mean, you know that, but yeah, it does yeah. kind of suck when you see a guy just stuck on a bad team and he gets no um, you know, media recognition and no uh, the recognition from the fans. The the yeah, problem right. with a uh, like calling people snubs is that you got to take somebody out and then what then we talk about chris paul i mean maybe we want to be talking about chris paul but let's say i don't know uh if if uh sabonis made it over julius randall we'd be talking uh, julius randall got snubbed but instead it's uh sabonis got snubbed so it's hard when you uh you got to replace guys it's not a the roster can only be so big yeah, I mean, I'm not saying that the players don't deserve it, but I have to name a player that I think should have been yeah. in it over him. So I think De'Aaron Fox should have been in it over Chris Paul, but I don't think Chris Paul shouldn't have been an all-star. But I, I know that doesn't no, really it, make it does. a lot of sense, but if I had to replace a player for De'Aaron Fox... Yeah, it makes it. sense, but that's why it like, also doesn't make... Like, you can't do that. So you, you get it. You get it. Yeah, Fox has had definitely a better season than Chris Paul, but... I understand where they're coming from with the the wins perspective you're saying, Sam. So that makes sense. Um, so my biggest snub, I he made he got like he was a replacement for I'm not sure who, or I think Anthony Davis, but Devin Booker. He definitely deserved to be an all star with the way he's playing. Yeah, he, I know. He, is an all-star. he just got um he yeah. just subbed in for Yeah, yeah, AD. For, AD. Oh, my bad. I um, missed that. I had my head. But if we're time. talking about someone that's not playing, I guess probably DeMar DeRozan for me. And also D Book, mm-hmm. but he's in like game. But DeMar DeRozan, he's been out for a bit, but still, the way when he's been playing with the Spurs, he's just like he's helping them win games. Like recently, I think he had like a 11 assist game. That's not really something you'd expect from DeMar DeRozan. 
So he's really changing his game to make to help his team win, and he's scoring still. So I think he's playing on another level this year. Even if they're trying to trade him, him and Lamarcus Aldridge, still think he deserved it. Yeah, I'm. I also uh, wrote down DeRozan as probably my biggest snub. Uh, he definitely deserves it, and it's funny that because uh, he's a big name player, and you would just expect it. I mean, not that that should get you in, but you know, it's just weird to see him uh, not make it after the season he's had. And the season the Spurs have had, wherever he goes, that he wins. So it's clear that he's a, you know, just kind of like Chris Paul. He, I, I, I don't know. I think winning is a big. Not that should matter. It does matter. So the fact that he didn't, exactly. that he, yeah. the fact that he didn't get in is just weird to me. I mean, it's not even like the Spurs are playing bad. They're one of the most surprising teams personally. I thought they were going to be a bad team coming into this year, but they're right in the middle of the pack in the West, and they're playing really well basketball. I mean, it's hard not to when your coach is Greg Popovich, True. but still, the Rosen has is the best player on a team that was considered to not make the playoffs coming to this year, and they very well could. And I think he definitely got snubbed as an all-star. On the topic guy. of wins, for like, sure. that's why LeBron is in like first for the MVP race. So, I mean, they matter so much that this guy's going to win the MVP. So, got to give yeah, DeRozan credit weird. for where it's deserved. Yeah, sometimes it matters, and sometimes people look at individual. I, I don't know. It's just really... um. And it, I, it's so difficult. Yeah, for All Star, I think it should be individual. For MVP, yeah. I think it should be team. I get that. But if we are talking team, then De- uh, DeRozan is not count- counted out for that because the Spurs have been exactly. overperforming, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean it's hard, but I think that's what I I put down. I was like that I don't really care too much for who got snubbed and who didn't because you got to think of why and who they would replace, and it's just like. There's there's a ton of snubs every single year. That's how it is. Yeah, uh, I don't. If we're talking all star snubs, then it's just one last guy. Um, I don't think he did enough outside of scoring to make all star game, but I think he should be recognized as one of the better players this year. Is Jeremy Grant? I think he's going to win um, most improved player. I mean, the Pistons suck. He's on an awful team. But then again, I think it's individual performance. He's averaging 24 points a game, like five rebounds, but he's averaging like no assists. And if we're counting wins, they don't win. So I don't think he should have replaced anybody there. But I think if he was named an all-star, I wouldn't have been upset. Yeah, he's a guy that deserved it. I hope he gets most improved. <clears throat> it all depends on you know, what the voters think. He definitely has been playing out of his mind. For sure. So... Okay, so do we want to move into uh, the Victor Oladipo contract with the Rockets? Yeah, uh, yeah we'll finish up with that. So uh, I'm not sure exactly what the details of the contract were, but Victor Oladipo turned down a pretty big two-year deal in terms of uh, money per year that I think uh, was very reasonable <clears throat> for how he's been playing. Yeah, it's generous. generous, actually, for his injury history and how he's been playing. So, I don't know. What do you guys think uh, about that? It was a two-year. 40-something. Um, yeah, I think 40, it was 40-mil, yeah. 48, I'm pretty sure, which is <laughs> way too much. for Victor. I love Victor Oladipo. I've always been a big Oladipo fan. I really, really wish he never got hurt because he was 
in MVP talks when he was fully healthy. I mean, it, he was one of the most fun players to watch. The Pacers were nasty, and then it all just collapsed when he got injured. And I really wish it didn't because he's one of those players that I was just nothing but happy for because he's a great dude. And um, and I was hoping – I mean, I knew his stint on the Rockets weren't going to last. They only reason why he got traded is because the Pacers wanted to get younger, and they got a great player in Levert. I think it was a perfect trade. And the Rockets are just kind of also going for a rebuild, but they're just taking on older contracts like for right now, like John Wall's not going to be there for that long, and neither is Oladipo. And I think Oladipo's definitely getting traded at the deadline, a hundred percent. And I really hope he goes to a contender. I would love to see Oladipo contribute on a team. I think he should have taken the. I, I'm, I'm. I think he should have taken the contract just because it's a lot of money. But I get how he can see that he doesn't want to be in that, that situation and a team as as bad as the Rockets who have lost eleven straight. Now years. that I think about it. Maybe he turned down the contract because he wants to see – because maybe he – I mean, I'm sure he knows that he's not guaranteed to be on the Rockets after the deadline. Maybe he wants to see where he goes before he locks himself in for two more years. Right. Yeah, maybe he's in a way better situation And he's fine taking either less money or he goes to a terrible team that he does not want to be in and then he heads to free agency. Exactly. So I think maybe it was a a smart business decision on his choice. But – he hasn't gotten paid a lot in his career because he's always been most of a role player. He did get paid on the Pacers, but that contract's coming to an end. And usually players like to have that one big contract, but I guess he'd rather be on a good team than get paid a lot of money on a bad one. Even if, like, but I understand with the contract, I feel like maybe he just wants to test what he's worth on the open market, this free agency. So maybe he's taking a risk of probably getting more money, potentially. Someone else thinks he can help yeah. their team even more than the Rockets because clearly he's not doing anything to help the Rockets right now, being injured and Maybe everything. He's betting on himself, hoping that he has a great yeah. second half. Exactly. That's yeah. what I think he could be doing if he doesn't get traded. Yeah. It was an interesting choice for sure. I could have seen it both ways, but I'm more surprised that he turned it down. Yeah, it's definitely... Because uh... most players would have taken <laughs> If that. he does get traded, I think he's going to get re-signed with that team he gets traded to. As long as they have the money for it. It's funny. When you talk about contracts, because it's so much more than just money, it's where you live. It's like, you know, it's Mm. it's so much more that goes into it. You move yourself and your family. Like, let's say, not move, but, you know, uh, if he gets traded, yeah, he's going to move. And then does he want to stay in that city? So there's just so much more in depth than you really think about when you talk about signing contracts and what goes into it. So, So what are some teams that you guys think could trade for Victor Oladipo. I think at the top of the list for me is the Lakers because I just think they're in store for a lot of players uh, like Blake Griffin or DeRozan or whatever. They could just go out for a player that's on an expiring contract and just really push because they want to get as many rings in as they can as LeBron finishes up his career. I'm not saying LeBron's get regressing or anything because obviously he's not, but I'm saying LeBron is getting older and their window is as open as it can be right now. So uh, if they're going to go out and contend and 100% be the best team in the league, I could see them getting a player like Oladipo. So at the top of the list for me is is the Lakers. Um, yeah. For me, um, it's the rumors have been like swirling around this, like this specific team, the Heat. Um, like they've been trying. I don't know if you saw. I, don't, I think the Pacers played the Heat in the bubble and Oladipo was talking to Jimmy Butler. So there's like a whole rumor surrounding that like he said he he openly said he wanted to go to the Heat. So I think that could be a good fit for him if he does end up getting traded there. 
and the Heat would have to give up a probably. I don't know. I I wouldn't because Oladipo's kind of damaged good at, goods at this point, so maybe they wouldn't have to give up Hero. But I could see a scenario where no, no, they they wouldn't have to maybe give a up first Hero. rounder like Olenek. A first, I think that's all he'd he'd go for. It's just a first round yeah. pick for Oladipo, straight up. I th- I think the Lakers are at the top of my list, but I think the best spot for him is Dallas, yeah. just because he. They need defense, and he's a great defender. I have an interesting choice, which I'm not sure how you guys uh, think about this. I think the Warriors could be a solid uh, fit just because take yeah. that uh, second. I mean, would they move Ubre if, if they were to trade for Oladipo? I don't, I don't think they would have to. Wiggins right? for Oladipo swap? I don't know. That could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, I could see a Wiggins for Oladipo, and then they the Rockets have the young core in Wiggins and Wood. Yeah, and then – yeah, no. I and the Warriors get to make a a real run in the West, you know, maybe get to the. And even if it's not this yeah. year, they can move Clay Thompson to the three, bring back Oladipo if he plays well, and then that would be a nasty one, two, three, and then Oladipo and Clay are great yeah. at defense. So Golden State's a great place, actually. Yeah, that's a good choice. It'd be, it'd be super interesting. I mean, no, Golden it'd be State, super yeah. interesting to see that. Sorry. I I don't know. I think. They'd really be uh, – because right now, I they're not contenders. Curry – I mean, uh, Oubre's been playing well, but if Curry has to carry them, I really don't think he can put the entire team on his back. So Oladipo would help a lot. Right. Mm-hmm. As bad as a start as Oubre has, the last month he's yeah, been going yeah. off. But Wiggins has been playing horribly. I mean, they just got blown out by the uh, Lakers yesterday. Yeah. It's the smallest amount of minutes LeBron has played in a game in like the last like three years was against the Warriors last night because they were up by like thirty going into halftime. It was just unbelievable. But they uh, Curry needs help, and uh, Wiggins for Oladipo swap. I could see that being beneficial. Yeah, that'd be a fun combination. See Oladipo play with Curry, so that would definitely be cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's always been part of a really good uh, backcourt. Mm-hmm. Oladipo, right. And he he's consistent, which is something the Warriors need, and that's something Wiggins isn't. Wiggins has these shines of a good of being a good player, but he's not consistent. And Oladipo is a very consistent player. You know what he's, you're going to get from him every night, as long as he stays healthy, obviously. Yeah. So that's something the Warriors could definitely benefit from is having a consistent player mm-hmm. they can go to. Other than and they wouldn't be losing much from Wiggins. I'm sure they would gladly deal him. Because I wouldn't call Oladipo like a a one man show. He's not a guy that can really carry a team. So, so definitely like like being a two to like Curry's one would definitely be a good fit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think that wraps it up, right? This is the Jack of All Trades podcast, and we've been saying peace out.